All right, welcome back, everybody, or, or welcome. If uh, you didn't listen to part one, this is part two, where we're going to talk about episode six of season two of Mandalorian and episode 11, season one of Hannibal. So I have to say, first off, this episode seemed to go by really quick. Like, uh, I was which when it ended. Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian did. I even watched it a second time, and I was like, man, it's over already. Huh? Mm-hmm. So, this episode sees us, or sees uh, Din and Grogu entering orbit of the planet that Ahsoka told them to go to. And he seemed, uh, at least in this scene, he seemed to get a kick out of saying Grogu's name. Like, you look over Grogu. Grogu would look up and he'd be like, <laughs> And uh, so while they're while they're getting closer to the planet, Din does another force test. He he gets, and, and I don't know why why this happens. So like he gets Grogu to, you know, grab the little ball part of one of the levers. Like he holds it up. Grogu, you know, uses a force to get it to his to his hand. Now what I don't get is why Din then Din went like Tank Ferrick and like scared the shit out of Grogu. He's like, no, well, no, no, he, no, no, you did good. Yeah, it's Go. just because he knew something was weird all this time, and then it, and then Grogu being as difficult as he, you know, is and whatnot, he he like explained it a little bit. Uh, um, yeah, so, is this the episode with the cameo that you kept telling me about? No, that's the last episode. Okay, that is the very last episode. Okay, okay, yes, okay. yeah. And you'll know you'll know it when you see it. You won't have to ask. Okay. <laughs> you won't have to ask. So, and then like, like you were saying, like, I was I wrote down: Is he trying to convince himself he needs to get rid of Grogu? Because he keeps like repeating, he's like, "Yeah, you know, we're gonna find you know find you Jedi, and you know, you're better off with them." And I'm like, "Is he trying to convince himself he doesn't want to keep Grogu, or, or what the hell's going on with that?" Eh, he might be. Um, I think he's more trying to explain the Grogu because I think he understands that Grogu doesn't want to. Um, at least he understands it on maybe a subconscious level. Um, and he and he might be saying it to both of them. He might be trying to explain it to Grogu and explain it to himself. I mean, people do that. He could just yeah. admit he doesn't want to let Grogu go, but it's his duty to make sure Grogu gets to where Grogu is supposed to be going. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so they. I mean, we. They, I mean, we saw the length that the uh, android had to go through just to get him to be okay with androids. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and that I think I, I I have something about that coming up too. So so they they get into the atmosphere and they they find this. I don't know if you could really call it a temple. It's more like a Jedi Stonehenge. And he's doing a doing a fly around of it. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny. So, like, he looks over at Grogu and is like, uh, all right, we're going to have to do this last part with the windows down. So he lands and then he you know, jetpacks over to the, to the rocks. And, like, he's... When he's talking to Grogu about this, I was like, is he really that backwater? Like, you know, I guess this is some kind of holy place. Uh, 
I guess I'll set you here. Then he activates the scanning part of his visor. He's like looking, so how do we turn this on? We got to get going. He's, he's really impatient when it, when it comes to this. And then we see Slave 1 fly by. So, you know, we see, you know, he, he sets Grogu down, looks around the stone, doesn't see anything. So he steps back. He looks over, sees Slave 1 fly by. He steps away. And then that's when Grogu activates it and has the, like, literally the force field around him. And uh, so he's like, oh, all right, kid, we got to go. Tries to go and grab the kid. Force knocks him back like like five feet. He's like, uh, um, uh, all right, I'll, I'll try to cover for you while, while you're doing your thing. And so he, <clears throat> he puts on like the heat, the uh, infrared to see where Slave One landed. And for those who don't know, Slave One is the name of Boba Fett's ship. In case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So he, so Den's going down. Uh, someone fires at him, so he, you know, he seeks cover behind a rock. And Boba Fett calls out to him. Let's see where I put down. Uh, and you know, Din. So like, uh, brain, can you please brain? So Boba Fett calls out to him, says, you know, I want my armor. And of course, Din, being a child of the Watch, he's like, well, are you Mandalorian? It's like I. I like, uh, how do you put it? I hold allegiance to no one, just like my father. And of course that doesn't fly with how Din was brought up. And uh, so he's like, well, I've got someone with me. So, you know, if you, if you try to shoot me, you know, my, my other's gonna, you know, pull the trigger before I even hit the ground. And Den's like, well, I'm wearing Beskar, so I don't see, uh, you know, I'll kill both of you. And then Boba's like, oh, it's not you that uh, my other is, you know, aiming at. You know, my other's aiming at the at the little child, you know, up on the hill. So, so they they kind of have that that stalemate. And then another ship approaches. So you remember uh, last week when you were wondering when the uh, tracking beacon was going to come into play? Mm-hmm. That's now. Yeah. And and so uh, I don't remember was was Fennec in the first season too? Because I, I want to say this is our first introduction of Ming Na Wen in the Mandalorian. Uh, the actress who played Chun Li. Yeah. Oh no, she's she was in the first season. She she was okay. when they went out on the when they met up with that rogue like guy, and then they went out in the desert. Mm-hmm. She was the assassin that she was either the assassin or the bounty hunter that went after him, and he left her in the mm-hmm. desert. That's why he was like, I yeah, thought. Yeah. I, I, that's why he was like, you were dead. So yeah, and then she like she pulls open like this thing, and I I guess. Well, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, they could turn any part of your body into a, into a mechanical structure. So, and so Boba tells him to put the jetpack down, right? Mm-hmm. I, I get that. But when this other ship comes around and lands, 
why the fuck didn't he put it back on? You know, throughout this throughout this whole next sequence, I'm I'm just thinking, Din, why didn't you put your fucking jetpack back on? Yeah, I had uh, I was uh, I I wasn't I was waiting for a chance to say it, but this entire episode was a contrived mess. Every <laughs> every fucking part of this episode was just contrived bullshit. I, I have no idea how, as well as they've been doing with these episodes, how they allowed this episode to happen the way it did. Just, yeah, contrived mess. Continue. Now, for I, I guess for the for the sake of advancing the plot. Or something. I don't know. So, um, so the the ship lands and a squad of stormtroopers come out. Now, as someone who you know watched the the original trilogy, you know back in the '90s when I was, you know, a teenager, I always wondered what the deal was with that weird Tuscan weapon. Well, we find out now, and Boba Fett is a fucking. I put that. I, I wrote down that Tuscan weapon. Don't mess around, because he he just beat the shit out of stormtroopers with that thing. Yeah, dude. Once again, this has once again been like, <laughs> wh- dude. Why are stormtroopers even in these anymore? What is the point? It is cruel to even have them in the show or any movie anymore. They are absolutely impotent except for when (laughs) like let me ask you this question when did they ever land a shot except for the one time except for that one scene when did they ever land a shot past that before before or after okay so you remember in episode four when luke finds obi-wan no no i'm talking about in this episode when did they ever land a shot outside of that one scene. Oh, they don't. Yeah, they just don't. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they just don't. But but um, <laughs> so when when I was still part of a of a certain Facebook group, the one of the uh founder slash admins had a theory because you know the running gag is stormtroopers can't hit the broad side of a barn, right? Mm-hmm. So and and that's that's not uh, what's the word that's no more apparent than in episode four when they're escaping from the Death Star. Like you see the stormtroopers just like pot pot shotting and not hitting anything. Well, his theory was the Emperor told them to do that to make so the rebels thought they you know they were escaping easily, and I. That makes a certain amount of sense, because if you remember from earlier in episode four, when Luke and Obi-Wan come across the uh, the sand crawler that had been destroyed, and Obi-Wan's like, well, look at these blast points, too accurate for Tuscan, you know, for sand people. And, uh, and you know, and the, and the tracks, sand people march single file to hide their numbers. These are side by side. So, like, even there, you know they're they're trying to set up stormtroopers as being what they're supposed to be like a like a shock force but then you you get the escape scene and and they're just like pot shotting not hitting any goddamn thing <laughs> 
but yeah, you know, I get what you're saying. They're, they're pretty much ineffective. They're, I was going to say they're, they're like the putties from power Rangers. They're the initial, they're the, the initial force you fight before you actually fight the people, you know, fight the, uh, the force that actually is worth a damn. But it's even worse than that though, because (laughs) so there's a scene. Uh, well, we'll wait till we get there, and then I'll pop back in. Continue. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I can sense your frustration, and, and and I get it. So we we see Boba take out like four or five stormtroopers with this with this Tuscan weapon. Now I want one. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see we see Fennec running along the like the ridge, like the I want, I'll just say Ridge, and she's you know sniping stormtroopers. You got the the mortar stormtrooper, you know, who like she'll stop behind a boulder, take more careful aim. But like even with her pot shots, she's you know hitting hitting them like and and so I unless there's some kind of thing that the you know like a, a laser bolt, if it hits you, it just like fries your entire um nervous system mm-hmm. how did how is a shoulder not fatal did you got because like because <laughs> like most of her pot shots they they still hit but like you know one got hit in the shoulder one got hit you know in the leg or, or, or something and so she she's trying to take pot shots on them and then and then there's another thing that, that gets me. You have the two stormtroopers setting up the, the the laser machine gun, right? Why didn't she just shoot them first? Then she wouldn't have to deal with that. In addition to everything else she's doing, I was going but to bring. I was going to bring that up too. These guys are there. Are these two stormtroopers setting up a goddamn laser machine gun, and she's literally like eagle eye shooting all the guys running at her. Yet she doesn't mm-hmm. focus on the bigger threat of the laser gun, ex- unless she knows that it's not a threat at all. And then you might be like, well, she was trying to stop the guys from getting to her. All the guys she was shooting who were running individually were behind the two guys setting up the gun. All she had to do was take a second Either. to pop one of them, and the other guy wouldn't have been yeah. able to set it up by himself. She didn't even bother. Yeah, well, it, it was they were either behind. No, they were like, all behind them. Right. I looked at the scene three times to because uh, I wanted to check. <laughs> I watched that scene three times. All of the other stormtroopers <laughs> were behind those two guys. Right, <laughs> and and can't also can't forget the squad leader. He's the guy with the orange uh, shoulder thing, mm-hmm. like. He, he's that he's that asshole sergeant trying to tell the private run up the hill and take that pillbox. And for those who don't know, a, a pillbox is a World War II term for a machine gun nest. Mm. So the one stormtrooper kind of looks at him, but then still like complies, but immediately gets killed. Squad leader, you guys get up there, <laughs> like motherfucker, you go first, lead from the front, asshole. <laughs> so. You know, she so she she gets pinned down behind a boulder, and and the and the the machine gunners are just you know laying into her, 
laying in, you know, in her direction. Plus the, the mortarman is, you know, getting, getting further sighted into where she's at and, and dropping mortars on her. So she pushes the boulder down and just wipes out like, <sighs> so, so we know that the original stormtroopers were clones trained on Camino. Oh, uh, quick. You're talking about the boulder that they shot. The moment it got loose, I was just like, mm-hmm. at that point, I was so done. I was just like, oh, just kick the damn boulder down. It'll kill all of them. And then he, she immediately, a mm-hmm. second after I said it, kicked the boulder and it killed like 15 of them. <laughs> like, uh, I want to know what kind of tactics these, these fuckers are being taught because that ain't that ain't good. Like you, like you said, like they're they're all ducks in a row. Here comes the boulder, just and even the dumb fucking machine gunner. It's like, oh, let me shoot this boulder. I'm gonna get it to stop with laser blast. Nope. Yeah. Just, uh... Like does does nobody know to dive out of the out no, of the way? They don't or something. No, they Evidently sure don't. not. They, they evidently don't. And so um, the that part of the sequence ends with, well, okay, so we, we go back to Boba, and he's doing that that kind of ninja thing. Like he's sneaking up behind him, cracking him in the skull, sneaking up behind the next one, cracking him in the skull, stabbing him. And then he, he finishes his sequence with stabbing the, like, stabbing the squad leader in the chest, or like he knocks him down and stabs him in the chest. And then looks over at, at, at the Razor Crest, and I was like, oh, he's taking his armor back. <laughs> and he did. And so um, at this point, Din and Fennec are essentially back to back, taking, you know, still working on fighting the, the stormtroopers. Din's using the Beskar to deflect, you know, laser blasts, and then Fennec will reach around and snipe someone. And then here comes Boba. He just he laid waste to him. Like he had the, his, his armor definitely not as new and fancy and flashy as Din's, but still damn effective. So this is the one part of the episode that I actually enjoyed and liked. Um, when mm-hmm. Boba just goes full Mandalorian on all the stormtroopers, and I'm watching now it's against stormtroopers, right? It, 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 it a two-year-old could kill a squad of fucking stormtroopers. We've already established that at this point. Like I, I could send in my little nieces and I could send in my little nieces and nephews, and they would clean up a whole fucking army of fucking stormtroopers. Like no armor, barehanded, take every single one of them down. Um, but I liked this because. Upon watching Boba and how efficiently he fought and how pinpoint accurate mm-hmm. he was, I was like, oh, yeah, if there was an entire force of these Mandalorians, no wonder it took the entirety of the Jedi Order to actually beat them. Because <laughs> the fucking Republic couldn't handle that. Not, not, not all well, these. Okay. Okay, so when when you say the Jedi, it, it wasn't it wasn't 
the Mandalorians. It was the it was the uh, the Death Watch. They they were the the religious the 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 order that took in Din. That's who the Jedi had to fight. The the actual Mandalorians. Um, and it this takes place in Clone Wars. And uh, actually, funny enough, um, Obi Wan kind of has a thing for Bo-Katan in in the in the animated series, and it's it's hinted at, but I'm pretty sure uh, Bo-Katan got some got some Obi Wan lightsaber, if you know what I mean. Down with the lightsaber. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's yeah. And and like seeing in in the two episodes ago when we see Bo Katan and her two Mandalorian cohorts, that that's those are Mandalorians. You get you get a four, and and that's just three of them. Imagine a squad, you know, like fifteen of them. All at well, once. we kind of saw that in the first series when those Mandalorians came to help Ben, and they took out all the bounty hunters. So we kind of mm-hmm. saw a little bit of that, but. Yeah. But then immediately after that, they were all murdered and wiped out by the Empire. So, but somehow I get the feeling if there were more Mandalorians like what we saw Boba Fett do, yeah, that just doesn't happen. It would take a force, it would take a Master Jedi or a Master Sith to to really be able to deal with that. Like, I, I can understand it now. Especially with them all being basically encased in Beskar, which is damn near impenetrable. <laughs> and speaking of which, that was the only time the stormtroopers ever got a shot in, is shooting Din directly <laughs> in his Beskar. That's the... They literally <laughs> finally hit something when it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's the point you're, you're yeah, going to make. Is like, it, it just, <laughs> at this point, just, just stop. It's just cruel now. It adds nothing. They're just fodder. It, it might as well just, every time stormtroopers show up, it might as well just be dynasty warriors. <laughs> right. <laughs> So so Boba shows up in in his armor. He's got the the wrist rockets on his on his left arm. You know, shoots them. Pulls out his little his pistol. Fucking like bat 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 bat. The rest of them stormtroopers ain't having it. So they they all retreat back to their ships and take off. So that that little that little antenna piece on his helmet drops down. He he locks on the lowest ship. Leans forward. Blasts his rocket from his jetpack. Now, he later says, "I was aiming for the other one," but the rocket hits the 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 one that's higher that's the that's higher up, blows it up. It falls into the other one. So two you know two ships, one rocket. Yeah. And Din's like Din's like that was a good shot. But it was like I was aiming for the other one. And then here comes the red laser of death and R.I.P. Razor Crest. Yeah, that's rough. Like, mm, that is rough. I can't even. I, I can't even imagine what type what type of feelings was happening. 
Like that that his ride, his home for so long, and then they just that just blew it up. <laughs> like fuck your feelings yeah, and your right. shit. <laughs> and uh okay, so so that so that happens, and then we cut to you know, we um Din looks up and sees what what I described as a as like a small star destroyer because it has the it has the profile but it's like a quarter of the size of a star destroyer and then we cut to uh moff gideon and uh and the empire officer girl that had the beacon you know planted and everything and he's like all right send some dark troopers down so you remember from the end of uh, last week, I think it was last week's episode, where you see that line of just black-colored robots, yeah. right? Yeah, these are the dark troopers. So four of them go down, and at, and at this point, Grogu has finished communing with the Force, and he fell asleep. And again, I am just berating Din for not putting his goddamn jetpack back on. Because both him and Fennec are trying to climb up this fucking hill over rocks and branches and twigs and fucking shit. And they don't get to him in time. You know, the four, the four dark troopers land. They, 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 include, they uh, surround Grogu. One of them picks him up and they all but fly off. That's exactly why he that's exactly why they had him take his backpack off his uh, jetpack off because oh, so he's at he's in the standoff <laughs> with Boba Fett and the chick uh what is her name Fennec Fennec is sitting up on a ridge and he points at her and then Din looks at her she's not like up in a spot away from him in cover she is literally right there and he yeah, goes well, you know, like laying him, laying him prone on right. The she's like yeah. 10, 15 feet away, probably less than that. She's literally right there. And Boba is like, well, do you know, she'll shoot Grogu. And then he's like, so take off your jetpack. And I'm like, wait, of all the things you could have asked him to take <laughs> off, you were worried about the jetpack, not the guns or anything like that. And then I was like, you do know that if he wanted to, he could just shoot her in the head. He could just shoot her right in the head. She's right there. He's got more than one well, gun. Even, he even, even, dude, Din even pressed yeah, the even. button on the gadget that shoots out all the homing rockets. He had even prepped that. Yeah, I think it's like the Phoenix yeah. thing. Dude, he yeah. could have literally shot Finnick in the head, which took away all danger to Groku, Grogu, and then just shot out, jumped to the side to, to dodge whatever Boba was doing, because he's in Beskar. It's not like anything Boba shoots him with is going to get through it. We've already seen that. And then he could have shot out his homing rockets and killed or forced Boba Fett to retreat. Boba had... Boba literally had no... He had no leg to stand on. There is nothing he could have done in that situation. Like, I'm sitting here like, right. well, this is the most contrived <laughs> dumb bullshit. Like, just the most contrived <laughs> dumb bullshit. And I'm like... 
just ugh. I was yeah, I, I was like, this is stupid. This is fucking stupid. Now you're you're not wrong. And okay, give me give me a second here. Okay, so all right, so the dark troopers are, are taken off, and Fennec's like, the Boba's already gone back to Slave One, and and Fennec gets on her little calm device, is like, you know, uh, Den's like, they've got the child, and then Fennec's like, uh, you know, go go get the child, and then Boba just get, you know, he gets the ship up, goes toward him, and he's like, all right, I've got him in my sights, arming lasers, and then Den's like, no, 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 we need the child alive, obviously. <laughs> okay, Boba, disengage. All right, I'll disengage. I'm I'm just gonna I, I forget the word he used, but he he was gonna like tail them. And so he follows them up through the clouds, sees the the little mini star destroyer, and he's like, Oh my god, they're back. Who's back? The Empire. No shit. <laughs> but I but I guess th- this is his first because he's been on uh He's been on Tatooine like this whole time after being thrown into the Sarlacc pit and surviving. So he, he probably doesn't know. So that that's kind of shitty on me to be like, no shit, Boba, the Empire's back. The Empire always fucking comes back. Um, so, so he, so Boba comes back down, then goes to the, to the place where his ship was and is like picking through the rubble he finds he finds the Beskar spear, so obviously nothing can fucking destroy a Beskar. And then he finds the little ball and puts it in his pocket. And uh, so the three of them meet up, and uh, Den's like, "Well, I-, I guess this is it." Boba's like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Well, child's gone." It's like, "Yeah, well, that wasn't part of our deal." Our deal was I get my armor back and we, you know, we make sure the child's protected. So until we get the child back, we're in your debt. Like, damn, I didn't think Boba would be that noble, but cool. Works for me. So they all pile into slave one and go back to uh, whatever planet it was uh, that. um, Oh, what's his name? The, the black dude and then Kara. So we see Kara and we find out that that medallion that the uh, the New Republic pilot left was a uh, the symbol for the office of being a marshal of the Republic. So uh, so that's cool. So she's a marshal of the Republic. And uh, so Din's like, I, I need I need to find someone. So she gets on her computer and it's the guy who's played by Bill Burr. Yeah. Well, he's in prison. He's imprisoned on a plant on some other planet. And because now and because now that Car is a marshal of the of the New Republic, she can't do shady shit. Unless Grogu so, is in danger. And then, then we get to do all the shady shit we want to do. Like, <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, it's like the child's missing. <clears throat> oh. And then we we cut back to the uh, to the to the small star destroyer, and I, I I didn't think about it until now, or at least until watching this episode. What is the deal with Gideon's like chest armor? Like it, it's almost like he's trying to emulate Vader. Like 
um, like Kylo Ren was. Like he's got the black chest plate with the blinking lights, and it's like, what? What? I, I don't know what the deal with that is. What the deal? I with that is. unfortunately cannot tell you. I I honestly I don't know. Um, he's running around like just openly flailing the black lightsaber. As I, I I don't know what's going on. He doesn't yeah, use I, it I, except for when he cut himself out of the ship that time. But outside of that, right. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, actually, actually put that down too because uh, he's walking into the detention area, and I thought this shit was hilarious when when uh, when he when the trooper opens the the prison door or the cell door, and you see you see Grogu just force throwing these two stormtroopers around and and Gideon you know got to give him credit he walks down into the into the cell and he's just watching with a shit-eating grin on his face as Grogu throws these troopers around then slams them together and they fly in opposite directions then he like falls over and and Gideon's like yeah makes you tired to use the force doesn't it and then he pulls out the dark saber and shows it and like like he ignites it right in, in Grogu's face. Now remember, the dark saber was the lightsaber of the first and I think only Mandalorian Jedi. As far as I am aware, unless it's in the canon that's no longer canon anymore. Well it so the Darksaber is brought up in Clone Wars and in Rebels. And I actually started watching Rebels the other day. That's, uh, that's going to be an interesting show to, to watch. Uh, so like, he's, like he activates it and then Grogu goes to touch. He's like, oh, no, no, no. This isn't for little, little guys like you. Then shuts it off and... Uh, and he's like, put him in shackles. And like, my immediate thought is, okay, so you're going to bind his hands. How does that stop him from using the force? Because like, you know, his hands are going to be close together, but he can still, you know, point both hands at something unless, unless they have, unless like that glow that appeared in the shackles can stop the force. But again, like I had said last episode, there's only one thing in the pre-canon that could stop force. And that mm. was the Yasalamari. So uh, I don't know. And then I, I put it as the last part of the, of, uh, of my notes, but after, after they cleared, cleared out all the stormtroopers, Boba tapped something on his, on his, uh, on his forearm. And it brought up, uh, brought up like a hollow projection is like this is the lineage of my armor. That's me. That's my father. And then Den's like, "Oh, your father was a foundling." It's like, "Yes." Like, ah, oh, that makes sense. And that was the episode. It it went it went by a little too quick for my taste. It went by very quick. You're not wrong. All right. So other um, thoughts on that. <sighs> So the backpack thing, the jetpack thing, easily was just so that he couldn't chase them, mm. because he could have chased the the mm. super troopers, is what you call them, I think. I'm gonna start calling them super troopers. Dark troopers. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, 
to be fair, I'm sitting here like, man, if those things were so dangerous, why didn't he just send them down there in force and kill Din and Boba and Fennec? You know the rules, Jared, and so do yeah, I. Or, yeah, Gerald, so do yeah. I. You can't do that. But lead off so that. yeah, the jetpack thing absolutely contrived. There was no reason for him to take it off, and there was no reason for him to leave it where he did. He just completely forgot it even existed. And then when they do go up to get Grogu, and the guys are flying off with them, they get there in enough time that Din could have just shot the dude in the feet and dropped him back down. And Grogu's been through more than enough that it, it like it would have been like a ten foot drop, maybe. It wouldn't have been that bad. Mm. He could have just shot the one that had Grogu in the feet, because that's what their jet thrusters were. Yeah. Well, my understanding of these dark troopers is they're they're a force to be reckoned with for the ragtag group. <laughs> But I, I didn't think that they had gotten that close to the to the temple before. Yeah, the, the, dark, the dark troopers, troopers took off. They, they were only like yeah, I, I, once again. This is another scene that I checked like three times just to be sure. They were only maybe ten to fifteen feet off the ground at most when Din and them got onto the temple and could see them. He literally could, and we've seen how accurate Din is with his pistol when the plot allows him to be. So he literally could have grabbed his pistol and just <laughs> shot the thing in the feet and dropped it back down to the ground. It wouldn't even be it wouldn't have even been a far fall. Also, hmm. what was also contrived what? is that Grogu wakes up, doesn't force the guys at all. Doesn't even try. But then we go to the ship and he's throwing stormtroopers around like they're goddamn doll babies. And I'm like, well, why didn't you do that when you got grabbed? Well, I'm, I'm sure they would say because communing with the force wiped him out and he had to, you know, refresh himself. Yeah, and he, he slept the like again. the whole battle or some shit. Like when the battle <laughs> actually started, he came. That was another contrived thing because Den kept trying to get first off Den. If you can't get through it the first time, you're probably not going to get through it the second and third time. But hey, whatever. 25th time's a charm, I guess. Um, then, right. <laughs> and then, um, as soon as Din gives up on that third try and starts going back down the hill, like, I'll protect you, that's when Grogu comes out of it and he immediately goes it's to stopped. sleep. And then when he wakes yeah. up, it's right before <laughs> the dark. Uh, troopers land and grab him. Why didn't he force beat the crap out of him then? But he gets up to the ship and now he wants to throw stormtroopers around? Fuck you, show. <laughs> and then Din leaves his jet and, and the moment that happened I was like, oh, that's why they had Din. Because when you look at the show, Din didn't need his jetpack at any other time. You know when he needed his jetpack? When he would have been able to get the Grogu. Nope. He, he needed it. it when he needed to get back to Grogu, Grogu quickly. And he needed it in order to chase him. So that's why they had him take it off. And that's the only reason they had him take it off because of all the things he could have had uh, all the things 
he could have asked Din to get rid of. The jetpack is literally the least dangerous thing on him. Literally. Because his jetpack doesn't have a missile in it, does it? That I know of. No! It's just a jetpack! No. That's all no, it is! No. <laughs> but get rid of the... <laughs> I guess he wasn't... He wasn't able to get that upgrade from the armor <laughs> before all the shit like, went south. Just an episode of contrived bullshit, contrived bullshit, contrived bullshit. If you blow up your enemy's only means of leaving the planet, then you might want to... You could just send down a contingent of your dark troopers, since they're so strong, and just have them kill them. Just have them kill them and solve that yeah. problem. It, <laughs> yeah, but then there wouldn't be any more... Well, then you need the to write season. a better episode. And give us a good reason for why your enemies don't do that. Don't go, well, they have this weapon that could just solve the problem, but they just won't use it. They, 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 they just won't use it. You know what would have been a good time to introduce these dark troopers? In the episode when they in the episode before Din catches up with them. That would have been the time. But don't go, we have these super powerful cyborg ninjas that were positive could kill Din and Boba and Finnick. We know they're down there because we blew up his ship. But instead of having them just go down there and kill the problem and then grab Grogu, we're just going to have them grab Grogu and blast off because then he can follow us and get him back. It's like... <sighs> Fucking, uh. it, it's it's that worst of the tropes, like like um, in in Incredibles, you know, uh, syndrome even even brings it up. It's like, oh, you sly dog, you caught me monologuing. Yeah, like you sly dog, you got me or, monologuing. How fucking dare you? <laughs> and 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 even like the like the James Bond paradox, like Goldfinger. You know, oh yeah, I've, I've got, I've got this, I've got my enemy lashed to a table, and I've got this laser going like one inch a minute that's going to cut him from his dick up to his, the top of his head, and then I'm just going to walk away. Yeah, just, just, just plot armor, plot, yeah. plot propulsion. But yeah. Uh, all right, so that's that's Mandalorian, and uh, I will go ahead and turn it over to you for Hannibal. Now, this was this was this was. Why do you always turn episode. the Hannibal ones over to me? <laughs> when did I become the Hannibal person? <laughs> I do really like the show, huh? I did, I, I did the talking for Mandalorian with you, you know, giving your interjections. Now you do the talking for Hannibal. And I'll give okay. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> this was a pretty. This episode got trippy, right? This episode got trippy. Um. So, uh, where to? How, okay, so in not the previous episode, but I believe it was the episode before that, we ran into the killer who was in the psychiatric ward, who everyone was saying was the Chesapeake killer. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, Will mm -hmm. 
you know, was like, no, he's not the Chesapeake killer, so on and so forth. So he's getting transported. And upon getting transported, um, he gets free, kills the two guards, gets out. Um, and then, like, trusses up their organs like Christmas ornaments on a tree. Um, and as the episode <laughs> goes on, Will is inferring that he's trying to get the Chesapeake killer's um, attention, basically. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to get his, uh, yeah, he's trying to get his attention, right? And, uh, oh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, so they go through, they are, uh, they're trying to find him. In the interim, Hannibal is sitting down having dinner with the, uh, with the head of the psychiatric ward. I, I, I'm bad with names. I don't write them down. I know I should, but I don't care about this character. And he's honestly... He's honestly really <laughs> nothing. Like there, there's no reason to remember who this person is. But anyway, the his name is Frederick. His name okay. is Frederick. So Hannibal is having dinner with yeah. Frederick, um, and he's talking about like psychological success, uh, uh, suggestion, and that the reason because basically part of what was going on is that the killer basically had a vendetta against Frederick because he was saying Frederick made him... Sorry, I skipped some things. The reason he was being transported is because he Hmm. accused Frederick of planting the idea that he was the Chesapeake killer, and he was suing Frederick because of it. And Frederick, if he is found convicted that Mm -hmm. he did do this, would lose his license as a psychiatric ward. Like Basically, that's the end of his career. The reason this is a thing is because there is a psychological technique in which you insinuate the idea into another person's mind that they are something that they may not be. So, yeah, psychic, psychic driving is drive. what they called it. Um, and so he pro- he was proposing, well, that's what Frederick did. And Frederick's like, I'm not the one who said you were the Chesapeake uh, killer. You're the one who said you were the Chesapeake killer. Like Frederick was pretty much just the one who believed mm-hmm. him, um, and that was, you know, pretty much it. He just believed, you know, he took him for his word. Um, and then, uh, so that's going to court. He's talking to Hannibal, and it's very obvious that Hannibal is—he has a conversation with Frederick in such a way that is very much implied that Hannibal is doing the same kind of psychic driving with Will. Um. And he is just doing it better, right? So we go to Will, <laughs> and Will is having a, another hallucination. And the literal glowing numbers in his clock radio melt off of it. Melt. And then he is imagining that he's sink, like water is just filling his house, and then he turns into water. And then he wakes up, and we find out that it was a nightmare that he was having. So his conditions are getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and John oh, is yeah. like looking at giving him like giving him looks and stuff. Like John's like giving him looks, and uh, he goes to uh, the next crime scene 
because Frederick is going down like a list of psychi of the psychiatrists he uh, met with who psychiatrically evaluated him. Frederick was one. There was another one that he gets to um, that he kills. I don't remember if they even said that one's name. Uh, Chilton. Yeah. Chilton. And he kills Chilton. Once again, it, taking his organs out. And Will is like, yeah, he's trying to get the Chesapeake killer's attention. Um, and uh, so... Oh, I am faltering here. Um, well, it was actually the so to 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 help with you. He only took the organs out of the the people who were transporting him. The people that uh, the people he killed that were the ones who uh, gave him psychiatry right. or you know, doing the the, psych- the psychiatry shit on him. He gave them Colombian neckties, which. Uh, if you don't know, you slit their throat and then pull their tongue ah, out through the right, throat. right, right. And he, and that's that's when our favorite reporter shows up because she shows up at the exact moment that he's finishing the mm. Colombian necktie on Chilton. And so he, and of course she starts talking to save her own life, and he takes her with him when he kidnaps Frederick, and then. Um, Will and John are talking and he talks about, well, where's the last place you found a severed arm? And so they figure out where he is that way. And Will has one of his episodes during the crime scene with Chilton where he dives in and... Oh. Okay. Okay. Quick interruption. Chilton was Chilton was the second person right. that he killed. Well, the first two were the guards. Chilton was uh, the second, and then he got his hands on Frederick. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, no. So, um, oh, no, it was, uh, what was his name? Carruthers. Chilton was the first one. Carruthers was the second one. And it's it's where, when when Freddie got the call saying, you know, Mm -hmm. from Dr. Carruthers, that's where she meets up with Gideon. Like she walks in and he's standing next to Carruthers' body with the tongue pulled out. And then Chilton is the next one. Cause like we, we don't even see uh, Chilton getting killed. It's just, you know, his body next to Carruthers body and they both have their tongues okay. pulled out through their throat. And then it's, and then it's when we get to the observatory that um, Fred, so uh, Gideon had Freddie write an article about one of the, of the murders to try to draw out the Chesapeake Ripper. And um, it's when they're at, when they're in the, uh, I'm, I'm just going to call it the CSI room where the, the coroners and the Asian girl and, Jack and, and Will are there that that uh, they pulled down the sheet from Carruthers and you see the arm missing and Jack is like well I don't know why this and this and this and then Will's like when was the last time you know someone you know you, you had a, an arm missing and then that's when they understand that they're at that observatory again okay All right. yeah, and that's Continue. when they find themselves at the observatory so they bust in on the observatory and they find uh, the reporter uh, helping to hold uh, 
breathing, uh, using a breathing apparatus to breathe for Frederick, who's holding his uh, organs, basically. Um, because uh, the, the killer had basically operated and started taking his uh, organs out. Yeah, while he, while was, still he was still alive. Conscious. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, Will, so Will starts kind of having an episode again. And so he starts backing away from the rest mm-hmm. of the police officers. And the killer is watching them go in, right? So he then turns around, starts mm-hmm. going back towards his truck, gets in, and lo and behold, Will is sitting in the back seat with a gun on him. And then they get into a conversation about psychologically where they begin and someone else ends and things like that. And then he, they just basically get out of the car mm-hmm. and walk over and just have a conversation. <laughs> and then... Good. So, uh, so uh, a quick point. A quick point I want to bring up. Uh, Jack tells Will to stay in the car because he Jack doesn't feel like Will is uh, competent, coherent enough yeah. to you know deal with anything. But but Will still gets out of the car, and he looks over and sees a stag, and it, it kind of clicked for me. It was like, is so is Will seeing Gideon as a stag because, uh, you know, he's, he's essentially tripping balls because the infection's actually starting to. Yeah. I kept trying him. to figure out why does he keep seeing stags? But if he's seeing like, is it specifically Gideon he's seeing as the stag or is he seeing killers as the stag? Like, because there's that one point earlier in the season where there's that episode where there's the stag that's literally right behind him. And it's like... Yeah, when he's walking, yeah, down, the, so, walking down the road. Like, so the, sim- the symbolism yeah. is just... It's weird. Like... Yeah. Yeah, and, and also through, throughout the throughout this episode like will will ain't doing good you know uh it of course it doesn't help that hannibal you know withheld the diagnosis of the encephalitis to you know just kind of see where it goes whatever whatever and like there was uh what was it so when he when he hallucinated after uh, the confrontation with uh, with him, Bloom, with him and Bloom com- confronting Frederick. He has a hallucination, then goes to Hannibal, and says he feels like someone else. And Hannibal like actually puts a puts a hand on his forehead, and oh oh ooh no! Uh, all right, so I, I, I want I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up now and let you uh, keep talking because you remember how how Hannibal was was just a cheeky fucker. When it comes to this next uh, part. Let's see, let's see. I'm trying to remember specifically. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the episode again. And I, do, and I don't have any notes for that part. So go ahead and refresh my memory, please. Uh, okay, so... Um, so when, when, Will is, when Will is in the backseat of um, Gideon's tr- uh, Jeep or whatever... 
and has the gun on him. He sees, he sees, um, he sees Gideon as Hobbes. And then they go to Hannibal's. And um, so Hannibal tells Will, there's no one here with you. You came by yourself. And then this gets Will, and Will has a seizure, essentially. I, I want to say, if I'm remembering my, my medical, my EMS training correctly, I think it was a febrile seizure because that you, his, his temperature was 105 degrees. If you're, if you're internal, if your temperature is 105 degrees, that starts killing your brain cells. Hmm. And, and you know, what's, what surprised me is, you know, he's, he's still able to do all this shit, even though he's, he's spiking a fever that high. <laughs> And he has a even Hannibal brings it brings right, right, right. Because Frederick was there during that part, right? Or Mm -mm. Gideon was there. Oh, it was when Hannibal was talking to Gideon because he he brought. Yeah, so Will brought Gideon to Hannibal's house, right? And uh, he's like, you know, and he's. You know, because he goes, because Will goes to Hannibal, because Hannibal's his anchor. Even though uh, Jack wants to say he's his anchor, but nope, Hannibal's done groomed him properly enough that he goes to Hannibal for anything. So he brings he brings Gideon in. Gideon sits down at like the the foot of the table, and uh, Will is just freaking the fuck out. And then Hannibal asks him, what do you see? And Will looks over at Gideon and sees Hobbes. And he's like, well, I see Garrett Jacob Hobbes. And then Hannibal's like, no, there's no one there. Yeah, You came in by yourself, remember? And then Will, Will starts freaking out just enough to have a seizure. Yeah. Not a stroke, but a seizure. And Hannibal makes sure to say that. And then has a conversation and, and with Gideon. Gideon's asking him, well, aren't you going to like do something about it? And he's like, like I said, it was a mild seizure. Like, nothing to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I honestly was doing a couple of other things while so I was then, watching this, so I think I, 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 I'm not remembering everything. Um, I remember... It, yeah, is it... It's okay because I do it, remember the last conversation that uh, Hannibal has in the episode, and he's talking to his psychiatrist again, and he's talking about how he may have found a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I remember thinking to myself, mm-hmm. "It's like, yeah, but Will has literally a a brain trauma. He has an actual like. It, I'm not sure if it's a disease, if it's being caused by a tumor, but he has an actual like uh, injury to his brain." You need to f- get that fixed, it's, it's, or he's most likely going to die. <laughs> he probably will. It's encephalitis is yeah. swelling of the brain, and that was that was another note I made because uh, there was another scene where when he was in the uh, in the CSI room, and he looked he looked over to his left, and like the uh, the cadaver cabinets one of them just started leaking water and I was like, 
is that like his visual representation of the swelling? Because, you know, uh, a swelling infection is basically, so he's basically got fluid on the right side of his brain. And if, and if you know anything about how the brain works, one side is like your, your right side of the brain. Like if, if his swelling's on the right side of the brain, he might, it might manifest as a hallucination to his left, which is what I thought was going on. And I, and if that is the case, that's pretty spot on and pretty good on the writers. But so the, the part that I was saying about Hannibal being a cheeky fucker is after uh, when, when Will snaps out of the, Mm. uh, of the seizure and then Hannibal's like, yeah, you had a seizure um, and, uh, you know, such, and Gideon was here, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go take care of it. And he said, he's, uh, so going back real quick, um, Will had his gun pointed at Gideon, but Hannibal took it from him. He set the gun down. He's like, I'm going to go call Jack to pick you up. And then he put his keys down on the table as well. And I was like, wait a minute and and hannibal goes he walks he walks off walks out of the room comes back like uh, okay let let me go back again so he has the gun he he goes and puts his overcoat on puts the keys down says i'm gonna go call jack steps out of the room walks back in will's not there keys gone gun gone and he just takes his his overcoat back off. I was like, "You cheeky fucker! You, you wanted him to do well, that." Of course he did. And uh, so, so now that yeah. now that we're caught um, up to that point, continue. Why am I having such a hard time remembering this part? Like the latter part of the episode, I'm having such a hard part. But I do remember. I don't know. Okay, so this is what I this is what I absolutely remember, right? Um, and I'm not sure if this is how this happened, but I believe Will goes to see the girl from the previous episode, the one that had the disease that made her go crazy, and then they put her in the hospital for treatment. She's apparently gotten better. Is that where he went first, Mm-mm. or did he go there later? Mm-mm. I he don't did. remember he him went going there at all. Her. Yeah, because he goes and he talks to her, and he he's talking <laughs> about because he's having such hard hallucinations, and he's asking her how she's doing, and she's telling him a little bit about the treatment that they're putting her on, and she's talking about how, well, they always want to put you on treatment, but it never helps, so on and so forth. And he's like, do you remember anything? And she's like, no. And she's like, I don't want to remember. And I- I'm trying to remember the exact conversation because she says something. It, the way that she says certain things, because she's basically lost hope. But the way she says certain things also makes it so that mm-hmm. it kind of has an impact on Will as well. Um. Oh, I wish I could remember exactly how the conversation went, but I don't for the life of me. But he does talk to her. Um, And then we go, if I'm not mistaken, is then we go to when Hannibal is talking to his uh, psychiatrist. And that's when he starts talking. Yeah, that's the very end. So what am I missing? That's the very end. 
will following. Okay, I don't remember Eddie. that at all. Okay, so we so we know that Gideon is now going after the psychiatrist that dealt with him. Right, so because killed in the children. conversation that, sorry, sorry, he, but in the conversation that Hannibal had with Gideon, he mm-hmm. tells him it was Dr. Bloom who was the other psychiatrist, and he told Gideon where he could find her. Mm-hmm. I was like, you son of mm-hmm. a bitch. You're mad because she didn't give you any. Is that what this is? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Probably mad that now she wants to give it to to Will instead of him. And then Will had another conversation with Bloom, right? That was... Okay. Beginning toward middle. Okay. 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 Sorry, I don't know why this episode is so fragmented to me to be fair while i was watching it i was thinking to myself that really not much was going on in this episode so i just i think i kind of clocked out on it like i I was doing other things to take my kind of i was kind of splitting my attention uh to doing uh on something else but at the same time, I think I kind of clocked out as well because right. the episode really wasn't all the, the just wasn't very exciting for me. Um, the whole Gideon thing just I don't know. It didn't give me the sense the sense of tense urgency that I think the episode was trying to give me. Um, like I, I think I'm remembering the points in the story that were actually most interesting to me, um, and that and the rest of it is just in the fog. <laughs> right. So, um, so the, the, the scene before Hannibal talking to his, his psychiatrist is we see Gideon outside of Bloom's house. And then, um, then Will walks up right next to him. And then they have that, existential you know conversation like well you know uh you know how 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 can i be sure i'm me this this and this and then will's like well you know i want to be me i I don't want to have these kind of feelings like you're having and then gideon's like well that's not really in the cards for us is it kind of sort of i'm i'm heavily paraphrasing and then and then it the scene the the uh, view cuts back to um, the view cuts back to, to Bloom and she hears a gunshot it looks out the window and finds um, finds Gideon dead and Will standing there holding the gun then he collapses because I guess the, the fever finally got hmm. then then there's a conversation between Jack and Hannibal and Jack's trying to, trying to sing praises for Will because he's like, yeah, he, you know, he had a fever of 105, but he still got this done. And Hannibal being the, 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 the bastard that he is was, I guess, naysaying or poo pooing it. And uh, then we get that final, the final scene where he's talking okay. to his psychiatrist. Yeah, I, I can't fault you for multitasking. I, I kind of 
tend to do that sometimes myself when when watching you know watching our stuff to talk about so it's all good all right so any other thoughts for uh, uh not really on? uh like i said it i don't know it wasn't as tense as the show wanted me to think it was um uh i don't think it was a bad episode it just i it, it was just one there's always going to be that one episode in any series that just doesn't interest you and this was that one episode i think um yeah well let's hope it's just that one um but besides <laughs> so how about the cracks the what the cracks any, uh, any cracks this one that you can remember this one was all pretty no, this one was all pretty. This one was pretty solid. Um, the only, uh, the only, the, the only real thing I could say is that Gideon didn't murder that reporter. It was like of everybody dying, this bitch keeps getting off the hook. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Hannibal hasn't killed her. Uh, the one, um. Hannibal hasn't killed her. Gideon didn't kill her. I believe she was in danger of being killed by one other dude, and he didn't kill her. Um, I don't know. Like, Gideon seemed content to kill everybody else he laid eyes on, but for some reason, she got away scot-free. Um, But I like the fact that they put her in that situation simply because I'm spiteful toward her and I'm glad she was in a situation that scared the living shit out of her. Um, Because fuck that bitch. Um, uh, Outside of that, uh, good interactions. It it feels like things were actually a bit more airtight than normally. Everything seemed, other than that, I think everything went along fairly logically. Um. Yeah, I think everything was pretty much. Yeah, everything was pretty much good. Everything went along fairly logically. Um. Yeah, I I, I honestly can't think of anything that didn't. Yeah, I can't think of really any cracks. It, 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 like, this feels like the Hannibal we should have had for the last, like, four or five episodes. Not the one that seemingly kept making mistakes. Like, so, I don't know. So, we'll see. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it, I, I, I'll say this was an all right episode. I don't really have anything to complain about. Um, it just, unfortunately, was kind of boring for me. Like, All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll come back and talk about our meaty main topic. All right. Welcome back. Uh, If I cut you off there, sorry about that. I was... uh, Attending to Christy upstairs. No, you're good. 
All right. So tell me, Gerald, what do you think about this topic? Um, I have to say that this is going to be your baby. Um, <laughs> I tried, like, I tried listening to the number station um, uh, audio that you sent me. And then I tried listening to some other ones. I can't even listen to them, man. It kills my ears. I just can't fucking do it. And there's only one that I was able to partially tolerate, and I could still not like. It was like a. It, it played more like a video game melody, but it was like early Akari, uh, Atari. I mean, not Akari. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. early Atari, like beep. And I was just like, yeah, that's enough of that. And all the rest of it, like static and just breaks in static. And I was just like, no, I can't do any of this. I can't listen to any of this. Well, you know, listening, that's fine. But what about your research? Well, I did my research, but the research was pretty bare bones, too. I thought there'd be more to it, but there really wasn't. I went through like a lot of articles, too, but there's not. I couldn't find much that I found that was like interesting. I couldn't even find specific instances because um, basically the number stations are uh, like shortwave radio stations characterized by broadcasts of formatted numbers, which are believed to be addressed uh, to intelligence oper- operators operating in foreign countries. That's like the definition, right? That's right. like what they are. And like I found stuff where – it was like, oh, it's the devil talking to you, or oh, it's <laughs> or oh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, like a, like there was there was a a conspiracy. One conspiracy theory was that it was uh, uh, transmissions from a completely another world, right? Um, uh-huh. Like like some eldritch entity. But these are all like early understandings like once it became publicly known that this was going on it was just like the public idea of what this was and then there are groups who sat down and studied it and they were like oh no these are these are morse code transmissions uh, of counterintelligence and there are countries who have flat out come out and been like yeah these are our stations and we use them for spy counterintelligence and stuff like that but that's it um, some of them have been attributed to coup d'etats and things like that, but outside of that, I couldn't really find any meat in this. So mm. this is going to be your baby for the most part, because I really wasn't able to find too much. Okay, so let, let's let's start with the basics then. Like, like Gerald said, a number station is a shortwave method of sending spies or military in another country orders. So um, as an example, there's a number station called the Lincolnshire Poacher. It's a British, it was a British number station that transmitted from Cyprus from the mid sixties till June of 2008. The station gained its commonly known name as it used bars from the English, the English folk song, Lincolnshire Poacher, as the uh, signal. So, a, so an MI6 agent would be listening on shortwave radio for, on, a, on a specific frequency, and then you would hear, let's see if I can do this, you would hear this. Mm. 
Yep, I was able to hear that. Yeah, so you would hear that. That's the the signal that there's going to be a message incoming. So after after those bars played a uh, how did they put it? It was a uh, it was pre-recorded English accented female voice reading groups of five numbers. So. Uh, in in the in the spy's arsenal, when it comes to something like this, you need what's called a one-time pad, and you have to. Um, something else I would I would add. There's actually a movie. It was on Netflix called The Number Station. It starred uh, John Cusack and some 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 chick. I don't remember what her name was, but hmm. it it uh to get a really good idea of what a number station is, you can watch that movie. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's like they, they try to attack the number station and uh, it's like, like the, this, this, this girl was, in it, I which, believe it was. Which movie was this? Cause I did find that there there's movie literature. There's some music on it. Um, and there are radio podcasts yeah. that talk about it too. Like the one it, that I called, saw. Okay. Good. Oh, uh, it, the movie's called V Number Station. Okay, the one I found was called Banshee Chapter, but I can't find it anywhere to watch huh. it. Interesting. But yeah, so like, like she's a she's like an, an MI six intern. She like it, it's her like almost like it's a summer job. Mm-hmm. But then uh, nefarious forces try to take the number station over, and John Cusack's characters like the. Uh, the what's what's the word I'm looking for? He's the he's the he he ends up being the hero, but the he doesn't really want to be. Right. I can't I can't think of the term, but but that movie could would be a good primer, I guess, because uh, you're probably right when you say this is going to be my baby, because it's uh, it was actually an article from a Kim Commando email that I got that uh, brought up the initial station I'm going to talk about at the end and a, and a way to listen to it. And that that's what got me hooked on, on number stations and, and, and stuff like that in general. So, so I apologize in advance for my, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Zealousness. There we go. Yeah. Hmm. I apologize beforehand for my zealousness when it comes to this, but I, I thought it would be a good, a good subject to talk about since uh, last we had uh, eight listens last week for our horrible foods episode. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so number stations and you know the these it's been like I said sixties it, it's been a a thing that's been used for many decades and even. Even still today, and I'll and I'll bring this up. Um, the Air Force uses uh, shortwave radio to communicate what are called emergency action messages. But so so like I'd said, the Lincolnshire Poacher is one of is one of of such number stations that was used to uh, relay orders and, and information over shortwave radio. So specifically for the Lincolnshire Poacher, 
the uh, frequencies were between five five thousand four hundred twenty-two and sixteen thousand eighty-four kilohertz. And it was it's speculated to have been a Royal Air Force and uh, MI six um, station. It also brings up a sister station called Cherry Ripe, which I had not heard of. Uh, so let's see. There's a there's another one. It's uh, all right. Clear that one out. There's one called Backwards Music, and it's not even it's not even backwards music. It's uh, let me see. Ooh. All right. So no, I have you in here somewhere. Right, Gerald, entertain the audience while I'm looking this up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, okay, so... I I don't... Well, let me do one or two, three, okay. So, number station have been used close to the end of World War I, which is when they were discovered pretty much as well. And uh, most were used during the Cold War era. Uh, Long-time stations (laughs) may have now been taken over by different operators, um, and the Czech Ministry of the Interior and the Swedish Security Service have admitted to using number stations for espionage. So those are two of the countries that just admitted to doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So I thought I had pulled it up, but I, I evidently did not. There's one station called the Backwards Music Station. And I'm, I'm sure your ears will thank me for that because the uh, – it's not backwards music, but it's like a form of data compression through sound. And it's one of the creepiest sounding friggin' things. And, and even like, so I, I sent you the link for that website that you can actually listen to these on. And audience, if you want to listen as well, there is a website out of the Netherlands that has... Um, they, they essentially have a whip antenna on top of a university and you can control and you, you can control the, the, the frequency. So, you know, you can listen to, to pirate radio stations in France or Spain, or you can hear air force emergency action messages. You can hear the buzzer that I'm going to talk about. You can hear, places such as the squeaky wheel, the pip. And that is uh, the website you can go to is web SDR. So web Sierra Delta Romeo dot E as an echo W I dot Ut Wente. That's a U T W E N T E dot N L colon eight nine zero one. So you can, you can uh, go to that website and you will see it'll pull up a waterfall screen and you can search the, you know, the entire bandwidth from, I think it goes up to like 40,000 kilohertz down to a couple hundred kilohertz. And there's some very interesting stations you can listen to. Unfortunately for Gerald's ears, that, that uh, white noise probably is what got you, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, static in some of them was too much. Uh, other ones yeah. were just 
masses of sound as far as my ears were concerned. Uh, and my my yeah. ears are naturally so, really sensitive, so I can't really deal with that kind of shit. Yeah, so the 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 white noise or static, there's a there are some some buttons you could click that would take that out. I think it was the squelch. You might have uh come across to some of the, like the like the walls of light. You probably want to avoid those. Those are like radar uh, atmospheric kind of testing things that and that show up on shortwave radio. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but um, it's it's an interesting interesting way to spend like an hour or two. And uh, there's also a website called uh, preom.org. That's P as in Paul R I Y O M dot org, and and this is like the place to go. I mean, there, there are people that will like spend, like this is their hobby. They will track number stations and, you know, sometimes like there, there's even, they've Priam even has schedules. So sometimes there will be an actual message, but sometimes it's just like a, uh, like this is an emergent, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system kind of thing. And I've actually heard a couple of those myself. Um, so you can, you can go to that web SDR website to listen. You can go visit preom.org to get information about certain ones. So let's see this one up. I, I was hoping we could bounce like, like a listicle off of each other. But if you, if you didn't find yeah, it, I, uh, I'm sorry, man. I looked and I just I didn't find anything. Like I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you found more than I did, or you just know more about it than I do. But I couldn't find even the Wikipedia didn't really tell me anything other than you know these are some of the stations, these are some sound bites from it. Um, you know, this was from this time period to this time period. Like it gave me like factual information, but nothing that I found like particularly mm -hmm. interesting about what was going on. Like no interesting stories or anything. Hmm. Not even for that for that one I told you I was gonna talk about. Is that the one you sent me in the uh in message yeah the well okay so we'll get to that so um here i have here a list of five creepy number stations uh the first one they they talk about is the swedish rhapsody number station it's a polish number station that uses a female child's voice to send out the number groups it's not actually the swedish rhapsody that they use as their marker um, Actually, I may have. Say uh, hold on, I think I did write something down about that. Um, because there are like, because uh, there's one called MDZHB, and that has never been claimed to be. That, hmm? That's mine. Oh, is that the one you're doing right now? That's the one. I, no, that's the one I told you I, I was. Oh, talk okay. About. That was the one I found that I thought was actually interesting. Simply because, yeah, yeah, but I didn't find like any, I don't know if there were any, I, oh, it talked about, uh, there were two others, the Pip and the Squeaky were also ones like that. Um, 
Yeah, the PIP and squeaky wheel are also uh, Russian number stations. Yeah, because I have a note where I read that, and I was like, that's some SCP shit. It's like the signal. Like, that's that's some <laughs> horror movie stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, so let's go ahead and do this. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, so uh, the PIP is a shortwave radio station broadcast on frequency 5448 kilohertz by day and 3756 kilohertz during night. It broadcasts short repeated beeps at a rate of around 50 per minute, 24 hours a day. The signal is occasionally interrupted by voice messages in Russian. The PIP has been around since 18, I'm sorry, 1985, when its distinctive beeping sound was first recorded by listeners. And it does not include a, uh, an audio for that. And then the squeaky wheel, which... Uh, Hold your ears. Mm. That one came with a signal. The squeaky wheel is uh, AM, AM for signal marker, USB for voice messages, daytime frequency 5473 kilohertz, nighttime is 300, is 3828 kilohertz. The voice is a either male or female live reading. So, like uh, when I when I mentioned the Lincolnshire poacher, uh, the the voice that read off the number groups wasn't actually a live voice; it was a recording. And back and back then, when when they did these things, it was probably the closest you could get to I'm trying to think trying to think of how to how to describe it. Computer generated is the closest you could get to computer generated voice back then but for for like for like the squeaky wheel and for the other the the voice that reads off the the uh number groups is a, is a live voice so that's one close that out close that out and then okay so right so right quick before we uh talk about that other one I'll talk briefly about uh, emergency action messages. And here is a, hold your ears again, Gerald. Here's a recording from 2019. They all have to be unpleasant. Is, Is that just the way that is? It, well, because it's shortwave uh, or what's called USB radio, it, it doesn't have like, okay, so quick, quick lesson. AM radio is amplitude modulation. Fre- uh, FM is frequency modulation. There, there's a reason why if you're listening to AM radio and there's a storm, you know, happening where you're at, you will hear lightning strikes through the AM radio. It uses the atmosphere to bounce signal from origin to end. Frequency uh, FM modulation does it differently. I forget how, but, uh, but this one is, it's called high frequency global communication system comes from the U S uh, read by a male or female voice live frequencies could include uh, four seven two four kilohertz six seven three nine kilohertz etc cetera, etc cetera. 
And uh, these are used by the Air Force to send instructions for their operations through messages and most commonly send emergency action messages. The HFGCS is not exclusive to the Air Force and is used by other countries as well, but not as often. They also send higher priority messages notice known as Sky King messages, which will uh, even be read over top of and interrupt an emergency action message to be read. So there's that. Let me see. So it's looking at this backwards. Uh, the YouTube. Oh yeah. The YouTube number station. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's get on to the one that interests both you and me. Originally, it was called UVB-76. It is now known as MDZHB. It is a number station that originates out of Russia, and to this day, not even Russia um, accepts responsibility for mm. it. So... Um, the the segue mute the segue sound that I am going to be putting in for this uh, part of the podcast will be seven seconds of the okay, buzzer sound on. that comes from that. Give it, hold on, because mm -hmm. I have to prepare myself for this. Because more than likely, no, 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 no. Uh, you won't hear it unless you actually listen to the podcast after I've finished and uh, and gotcha. posted it. I'm I'm using that. I'm using that seven seconds as a segue to introduce this part of the podcast. So listeners, you will have already heard it. And, uh, and that particular sound is why this number station is nicknamed the buzzer. So go ahead and tell me what you found. Okay. Out about what I found uh, that it has never been claimed or run by anyone yet. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it broadcasts to the world with weekly intervals of a Russian woman speaking. Anyone can listen in, and it never stops. Um, and that's what I found out about it. And it's like, and the Russian woman speaking happens like once every week or once every two weeks. That one's not every day. But it broadcasting is constant, and no one can figure out who's doing it uh, or even where it's coming from, I think. Um, that's what I have on it. That's the information I actually found on it. And that's the MDZHB. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, the, the number station actually moved from like, uh, listeners had found a location where it's broadcast, but then it moved, I think close to, um, what, God damn it. What country is, is Crimea? In? Oh, I do not know. <laughs> yeah, it moved, moved to that border now i'm not sure i don't know maybe maybe something that uh that i i hadn't seen but it does it broadcasts 24 hours a day the the buzz sound lasts for one second the space in between is a second and a half and it's uh what is it 40 I actually had to look it up again. It's on four four six two five kilohertz. 
Uh, it was first reported in 1982, but may have been on air as early as 1976. So the nickname buzzer comes from the fact this number station emits a buzzing sound 25 times every minute. Now, um, this article says it becomes creepy when the buzzing is interrupted by a Russian voice. Um, so it used to be called UVB 76, but any recording that I've ever heard uh, is under the handle of MDZHB, which uh, when, when uh, a voice talks, the, uh, they say Mikhail Dmitry Zhenya Boris. That, I guess that's their ph phonetic alphabet for it. Um, oh, th this, this was what the, the buzzer is what actually got me interested in number stations a couple years ago. So like I had said earlier, I had, I had gotten an email from Kim Commando and it, one of the articles was this, and I was unemployed at the time, of course. So I had plenty of time to just pour myself into that, uh, web SDR website and just listen. And I got so obsessed that my wife was like, you need to stop or otherwise the government's going to come get you. And I was like, how? They don't know <laughs> I'm listening. But uh, there's been a lot of speculation over over the years about this station. Some, some say it is, uh, I think at one point in time, the Russians said it was a, uh, what was it? It was monitoring the atmosphere. Some people think it's a dead man's hand. So if this signal ever stops, that's when the nukes go up. And, and uh, I actually read a book, I want to say it was two, two or three years ago, that combined the, the buzzer with a secret genetics project that the Russians had. Now, this, this is a fictional, this is a story, so it's, it's fiction. So the, it, it, any indication indication that this is true is coincidental but the basically in this story the the buzzer was what kept the uh the genetic bomb from going off like like the the russians experimented on people or animals and made like these super deadly hybrids and then but they stored the the chemical that could do that deep underground and uh, the buzzer was essentially the failsafe for it. So if the buzzer got shut down, this chemical would yeah. you know, detonate. And I think in the story, I think in the story, it encompassed almost all of Europe. Yeah, it makes sense. That it was not. It was not a happy ending in that story. Um. Well, damn, I think this is going to be a really quick uh, See, it, segment it, then. It, like, I was, like, I'm looking for stuff, and I'm not finding, and I'm not saying that this isn't interesting. I'm sure it is, but this is, this feels like something that is interesting when you're actually doing it. Like, when you actually have your own radio set up, and you're listening to these, and you're tracing them and stuff like that. Because the information is pretty matter-of-fact mm. to the point. Right. Well, okay. So, um, do you, so you, you, you were talking about the transmissions being from Satan or, 
you know, any of that. Can you elaborate more on that? Or is that That was pretty much all I had. I also had like uh, the other countries that use uh, number stations according to reports are Poland, Cuba, Egypt, uh, the Ukraine. Um, After a halt in activity from 2000 to 2016, North Korea has resumed broadcasting coded message directly from its state radio. Uh, That's Radio Pyongyang. And it's disguised as, yeah, and they disguise it as mathematics or physics Uh problems for distant university students. Uh, It's like, you can't come up with Hmm. a decent, like, excuse for any reason, can they? Uh, The intended recipient is is Hmm. indicated by a song played before the transmission and identification number given at the start of the message. There are also what are called uh, one time Mm -hmm. cards that the recipients are given and that's the only way to decode the messages. So even if you can intercept it, you wouldn't know what it was or you couldn't decode it without that specific one-time card. Most people, most spies Mm. or espionage are caught while they're receiving a message. There, there was a couple, um, I read that there was a couple in, um, I'm trying to remember. I probably should have looked more into this one. Um, but apparently there was a Russian couple who got arrested recently, like in the last like seven or eight years. Uh, they got arrested because they were receiving coded messages and turned out to be actual spies for Russia. And they got caught and arrested. Um, hmm. But yeah, uh, also the fact that uh, some people think the transmissions are from the the one about another world. They think it's from another world with or without government cooperation. And some say that Saturn's rings are acting as a relay station because a lot of broadcasts come directly from Saturn. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I heard something similar. Uh, I think it was one of the. I think it was the moon, the moon Titan was giving off yeah. natural radio frequencies. But that that doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me. In fact, uh now that I think about it, there there's a YouTube video that um and you you probably won't want to listen to it, but uh listeners if you want to give it a listen, uh they point radio telescopes at all the planets including our own. And you can hear what their frequency sounds like. And if I remember correctly, Saturn's radio frequency sounds like something straight from hell. I can it's believe creepy it. As fuck. I don't ever want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the the uh, radio frequency from Earth it just kind of just sounds like a bunch of noise because we've got all our frequencies that we use and run and, and all that good stuff. Uh, hmm. Let's see. Let's see if there's anything else I can bring up. Uh, ooh. Was it? Uh, well, that's not really a number station. Huh. Uh, okay, so, so this article... Is it's just strange sounds. So uh, there was a uh, an incident that happened. Uh, it was WKCR eighty nine point nine in New York. Um, so it, it it interrupted the broadcast, 
and is probably a good thing you didn't hear this because it consisted of an ear piercing shrill, heavy breathing, and then a distorted female voice reading out uh, names and dates of people who died. And, and it and it even included uh, Oppenheimer, the guy who was behind mm. the atomic bomb. Uh, this one, this one, I thought was really funny. This one was uh... all right. So a pirate, a TV pirate. Uh, so let me let me go back a little more. Uh, Gerald, do you know who uh, Max no, Headroom is? I do not. Okay. So it was so Max Headroom was a show that came out in the eighties. Um, Max Headroom was uh, actually I think I think it, if you download the CW app, you can watch it. But essentially, Max, Max had... Okay, so you remember in Back to the Future, part two, when Marty went into the 80s cafe and you saw um, Reagan and on the TV and it had that kind of weird mm. background behind him? That, that's, a, that's a nod to the show Max Headroom. So a TV pirate used basically a giant rubber max headroom mask in a series. They say demon like nightmare inducing transmissions that hijacked us tech uh, television signals for 25 seconds during the nine o'clock news on WGN and Dr. Who on WTTW in November of 1987. And I, I don't know why they say, um, demon like a nightmare inducing is just a, a dude in a max headroom mask cussing and generally being a dick in the first transmission. And the second one, he had someone spank spanking his bare ass with a riding crop. Um, the interesting thing about that one though, is to this day, no one knows who did it. Hmm. Yeah. SCP. Well, yeah. Man. <laughs> and for those who don't know what SCP is, it is a collection of works of an organization who contain keeps things contained, and usually they comprise of supernatural creatures, magical items, cursed items, so on and so forth, uh, and otherworldly creatures too. One's literally an angel that we think is protecting the gate to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Hmm. Um, okay, so this one was another interesting one. Um, so it says, so this part of the article says, a warning from beyond the stars. Stars are emitting signals, and someone claims he is an extraterrestrial being named Vrillin from the Ashtar Galactic Command or Asterin from the Intergalactic Mission. The broadcast is considered a hoax, but the source of the transmission and the culprit responsible have never been found. Uh, and I actually have a personal story when it comes to, to, to this, something like this. Um, when I was a child and I li and we lived in Texas um, in my parents' bedroom, they had a, a radio slash uh, <laughs> record player. That's how old I am. And I was sitting in, in, you know, in, in that corner of the bedroom one day and it was like, like 
turning turning the knob because that's how old it was to go through the to the through the radio frequencies and i don't know what the hell it was but it was um i came across some kind of broadcast saying that something was going to be destroyed and they started counting down and i was like oh, no, 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 no. i don't want to hear that shit nope 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 turn 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 so that 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 was weird and and i can still still remember it to this day very weird very weird yeah. well uh, what else can we say? Let's see. We went over film. There is, uh, <laughs> in literature, we have the story in the dark, a Chinese novel by Mai Gi, which goes, which focuses on cardiography. So that is a book that might interest people who this interests. Um, apparently, in the music industry, there's the band Wilco, named its album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot after a segment of recorded number station transmissions. And the sample is from hmm. E10, an Israeli number station. Uh, oh, that hmm. one? No, no, no. That one appears in the song Poor Places, also by Wilco. Um, in American music, internet person Neil Ciceraga created the track Transmissions, which parodies number stations and sounds like a transmission from one for his album Mouth Silence. Um, and this goes all the way into Iceland. Iceland composer jo Johan Johansson sampled tape recordings of German number station broadcasts in the track "A Song for e A Song for Europa" on his 2016 album. So, um, hmm. and there's also a uh, there's also then, Welcome course to Night Vale. Which is a number? Uh, yeah, Night Vale has yeah. an episode where they do a number station yeah. uh, section of it. For those who don't know what Night Vale is, it is basically a uh, radio station that was created. It's not a radio station, but it is it. It's a podcast yeah, about a, about a um, news station. And it's really good uh, for any of you who yeah. might be interested in that. Absolutely, check it out. For those of you who are not interested in that, absolutely check it out. It's actually really good. <laughs> yeah uh, i remember listening uh, uh god i was i was still doing the lawn care job when i when i discovered welcome to night vale and it's still a good show uh highly recommend i highly recommend it to anyone who uh it's how how in the hell can you describe listen to night vale it's like i, I kind of want to say it's like uh uh, what's his name? Um, H.P. Lovecraft decided to found a, a city, and then, uh, um, the, then the news station talks about all the all the stuff that goes on. It's it's definitely weird. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, the glow cloud. That, the glow that, cloud that was, was a, that was a funny one. The glow cloud was definitely freaky. <laughs> All hail the glow all cloud. hail the glow cloud, and then, uh, and then uh, I want to say it was a year or two ago. They they kind of they kind of shook it up and had transmissions from a a happy. Uh, I, I want to say it was called Sunnyvale. 
and the uh, the radio announcer would like it was it was all happy and and not weird and creepy like Night Vale is, but still give it a listen if if you're into that kind of thing. Highly recommend it. Okay, so final thoughts then on anything, since once again short episode, um, short segment. Yeah, this is probably. Uh, for Mandalorian, this is probably the weakest episode I've seen. And if it hadn't been co- so contrived, it actually would have been a really strong episode. But it is, maybe there was no middle ground here, but it is the weakest episode of the two series. Um, this, this episode is bad it, and you should if feel you're, bad. If you don't care about how contrived it is, <laughs> it's actually a fun episode. Like if you, if you just ignore the fact that everything that ha- that a lot of things that happen in it are completely illogical, shouldn't work that way, then it's actually a fun episode. And it, a person who doesn't care about that would say this is one of the best episodes in the series. I could see that, and I wouldn't even argue you on it. But that's if you that's if you completely disregard logical progression, what we've already seen of the characters just really really like like just looking at the screen and going but he could just shoot her though like um if you're willing to suspend your disbelief that much but then again if you anyone willing to suspend their disbelief that much is someone who doesn't there, there are no bad movies for because any movie, if you're willing to suspend your disbelief enough, <laughs> is a good movie or a good show. Any any form of medium, if you're willing – any form of like TV series or movie, if you're willing to completely suspend your uh, – susp- uh, uh, now I can't remember how to say it properly. Uh, suspend your – yeah, if you're willing to suspend your disbelief suspend your completely, disbelief. All, you don't, there's no such thing as a bad movie to that person. Um, I'm unwilling to suspend my disbelief hmm. because this, from from what we've seen in the first series, they know how to write an episode where you don't have to suspend your disbelief, except for very marginally. So for them to make an entire episode of shut up, though, yeah, but why would he do shut up? But why would <laughs> shut up, though? But why shut up? Stop, stop <laughs> talking. Stop. I'm, I'm like waving for the. I'm like waving my hands in the air like I'm having a slap fight with someone. That's literally what's happening in this episode. It's shut up. Stop <laughs> asking questions. Shut, shut, shut. <laughs> That's literally what's happening. So <laughs> yeah, it's like like that's literally what's happening in this episode it's shut up stop asking questions and i don't like that um so hopefully the next two episodes will be better um hannibal uh this was kind of a nothing episode for me unfortunately a lot and to be fair a lot happened in the episode so it's weird that it's a nothing episode for me so I don't know if I just had a weird day when I sat down to watch it or what, but I just I this episode just did not have my attention. So I don't know. Sorry about that. This episode just didn't have my attention. <laughs> um, Number Stations is cool, but I've never been the person who's been into spy shit. Um, I am not the spy in a group. 
if we're in a D&D group, uh, I am not the spy. I, I have no issues being a sniper, which if I play a rogue, that's usually what I do. I make myself either a sniper or a backstab mm. for just massive damage, one-hit kill. Um, but normally, I am either the tank or I am the juggernaut. Like, I don't... I, I'm not going to... Uh, I am not the type of person who is going to make an elaborate plan for things. Oh. I am just going to crush you into the dirt. And I'm going to do it in a point in time when there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so what's the difference uh, between juggernaut, a tank and a can't juggernaut? Hurt and can also do massive damage. A tank is just there to absorb damage and disrupt the enemy. So in, like, in MMO terms, it uh. would be the difference between the tank and the... Uh, the um no not necessarily dps because DPS. dps could be an archer so it'd be like the difference between the tank and the brawler the tank and the brawler so the brawler can take the brawler can take damage but he okay. dishes that but he can't take as much damage as the tank but he dishes out way more damage um there was an mmo i played that had like you you were a tank and then they had the gladiator and the gladiator was tanky, but he wasn't as tanky as the tank. And the tank could do damage, but he couldn't do as much damage as the gladiator. The gladiator was kind of the balance, right? Um, so that's that. That's the difference in my mind. Hmm. Juggernaut is kind of a a, a, a weird example. I shouldn't have given the example of the juggernaut um, because the juggernaut is both. It's like if you took a tank and a gladiator and combined them together, he's both. So Juggernaut was a bad way to say that. Um, but that's just yeah. what popped into my head at the time. Um, yeah. I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It probably um, also would have helped this subject about the number stations. What probably would have helped it a lot is if when I sat down to actually listen to a broadcast, it didn't attack my brain. <laughs> that probably really hurt the subject for me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So I, I wanted to bring it up. Like when, when I would sit and listen to a uh, broadcast, uh, weirdly enough, like the, the background uh, sound made me feel like there were people watching. Yeah, that is weird. But yeah, there's only sometimes. But yeah, so uh, well, you get to pick uh, okay. the next topic. I'll try to pick. Uh, I'll try to pick a good one. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I agree with with Gerald on on Hannibal. It was it, it was a definitely a, a trippy episode, but. Um, I guess really the only, probably only reason I knew more was I, w I was actually paying attention, even though it was kind of a, eh, um, uh, hats off to the, to the actor though. He, he definitely, yeah, I've seen that actor in well. other things. I forget his name, <laughs> but yeah, he's a good actor. I, I actually like why I like seeing him in things. He, he, and he tends to play, I won't say he's typecasted. But he tends to always play like this very uh, smart but dangerous kind of character, um, whether he's a protagonist or an antagonist. Mm. You know, 
So I, I do like seeing him in things. Right. All right. Well, um, okay. Well, go thank ahead you for joining us, us again. Out. Hopefully, you will join us for our next one as well. Uh, you guys continue enjoying your day, continue having a good week, uh, and continue being safe out there. Keep yourselves warm. Um, and try to do your best to be prepared because getting caught by surprise probably means you're dead. <laughs> but yeah but see you later Definitely don't want that. talk to you again next time